Welcome to the Embodied Love Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant. In this show, we'll be exploring all things love, relationships, and the creative fulfillment of living a life on purpose. If you're someone who wants to leave this world a little better and really make the most out of your human experience, you're a creative, a lover, a human who is here to embody the full essence of love, this podcast is for you. Join me for conversations about the real stories, lessons, and mistakes that make up a life well-lived and a human well-loved. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. It has been a little while, but I feel like this is kind of just how I'm going to I'm just going to roll like this where I'm going to do like bursts of episodes and then take a break, bursts of episodes and take a break. Cause you know what? That's just what's happening. So we're going to roll with it. And I'm coming back hot for the summer season because we are going to be doing a whole summer of self-love. And I have a new container, a new offering called the Self-Love Sisterhood, and that will be open July 10th. That's when we start. So we're just going to keep this conversation about self-love rolling all summer long because, well, it's the, the hot topic. It's what's up for me and my community and everything that we're building and creating. So we're just going to roll with it. And today I wanted to do um, an episode on you know putting yourself first without feeling guilty, because that is actually one of the things that gets in the way for people when we start to have this conversation of self-love and have this conversation of self-care. And it's something that just, it's so deeply ingrained for a lot of people that, you know, putting yourself first uh, is selfish. And we'll talk about that in a future episode. And therefore, when we have this belief system that taking care of ourselves is selfish or it's, you know, inconvenient for other people, then there can be this secondary thing that happens where we feel guilty about tending to our needs, putting ourselves first. So I thought, what better way to kick off the summer of self-love here than just come right out of the gates (laughs) and tackle this, this really big one. And so, you know, the first things that we want to do to kind of create an environment internally where guilt doesn't really have as much room to roam is getting really clear on the benefits of self-care. So when you understand and you kind of see it on paper, like, well, what are the actual benefits of me taking care of myself? and me putting myself first? Like, what does that actually make available for me, myself, my life? And how is that a positive contribution to the world around me? But also how does that positively impact the people that I love and care about most? When you sit down and you map this out, 
you have physical evidence in front of you as to why self-love, self-care, putting yourself first, you know, could be a good idea. And you are going to have to feed your mind some evidence here um, to counterbalance a lot of the momentum these beliefs have you know, gained over the years, because for a lot of us, this is an inherited belief. So it has been passed down through our family systems. It has been passed down through our social networks and we just kind of adopt it and we take it on. And so it's going to take a little bit of time to unwind that first of all. And second of all, you're going to have to essentially like plead a case to your mind, (laughs) the part of you that deals with logic and reason. And when you have this evidence in front of you of, well, these are actually the benefits. And this is why taking care of myself really matters. And no one can really do that for you, but you. Um, Because the benefit for me will be different than the benefit for you, but there is a benefit to you to putting yourself first. So think about it in terms of the question, what does me being taken care of make available for myself in my life? And let that rumble around. Like for me, when I'm really well taken care of, it means that I can actually care for the people in my life better. I'm more attuned. I'm more present. I'm more patient. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just more in my body, which means I'm more available for connection. Um, I'm also more available for a high quality connection. Because when I put myself last, let's say, and I get caught in my overgiving, overfunctioning mode, what ends up happening is the things that I'm giving, it's not the best of me anyway. They, and don't worry, we're going to talk about that too in a future episode. But they're not getting the best of me. So yeah, I'm, I'm giving to them or I'm showing up for them, but at what cost? Because if I am depleted, if I am feeling resentful, if I'm annoyed, is that a really clean give? It isn't. And there are ramifications to that. When I give from that depleted space and I give from a place of resentment or being empty, um, that is felt. There's a relational impact when we behave that way. So when we want to start unwinding this whole guilt thing, it's helpful to realize that actually when you put yourself first, it helps to create the conditions for more healthy relating so that the, the love that you're giving or the care that you're giving or whatever it is that you're giving is clean. So the benefit of taking care of yourself is that you don't have to do a lot of cleanup because you were giving from an empty place or you were giving from a place that, you know, wasn't quite that spot of true generosity. You were maybe giving from a place of depletion or giving from a place of obligation or resentment. And when we give from those threads, 
we actually have to clean up a lot relationally because the other person, when you're on the receiving end of someone who is giving to you from a place of obligation or resentment or depletion, you're not nourished by that experience. And so you might actually end up feeling more alone. Um, You might start to feel resentful on the other side of receiving that. Um, You might feel really uncomfortable and that might close down self-expression. It might close down the connected connectability. And like these are bigger relational issues that we will have to at some point face. And unfortunately, a lot of people just sweep this shit under the rug, hoping it'll just magically resolve itself. And then it all comes to a head and it's really fucking messy and can be really destructive. So when we think about it, we zoom out like that and we see like, well, if I actually take care of myself and I prioritize making sure that I'm well-nourished, well-fed, well-rested, taken care of, it impacts what I give to the world and how I contribute in the world. And when I give from a full cup, the energy that I send out is clean, which means there isn't this karmic blowback at any point in time, you know, but when you give from depletion or you give from obligation or you give from resentment, there is this karmic blowback. And there's also the relational fallout that happens there. And you just have to do a lot more damage control when you aren't taking care of yourself. So really map out for yourself. Get super crystal clear on what are the benefits, not only to me, but the benefits to the people I love most, the benefits to the work I do in the world, the benefits to the community that I exist in. Like what are these overarching benefits that, impact other people in the world around me when I'm fully resourced, when I am more well-resourced. Maybe you don't have to be fully resourced, but like more well-resourced. And, you know, that is going to really help counterbalance any of those old programs that tells you it's wrong, it's selfish um, for taking care of yourself. And that's really ultimately like how we get in that pocket of feeling guilty Um, you also might feel guilty about putting yourself first if you grew up in a family or in a community where there were a lot of martyrs, self-sacrificers, and they didn't actually put themselves first. And so they legitimately use guilt trips to condition you into behaving like them. So if you had that conditioning the majority of the time that you feel guilty, it's not even the truth of your experience. It's just your conditioning. It's the conditioned response. And trust me, like conditioned responses can feel very real. (laughs) So we're not dismissing that, but it is like this breath of fresh air to be like, oh wait, is that even mine? 
So you could ask that the next time the guilt comes to play and be like, is this guilt even mine? Or was this guilt injected into me and influenced my conditioning? And so it feels true, even though it's not the thread of actual truth. And that can give you a little bit of space to choose what you want to do next, to choose your next thought, to choose a thought that actually supports where you want to go versus choosing a thought that is going to run an old condition pattern and kind of run you into the ground. So I really want you to, to know that little nugget <laughs> that the majority of the time when you feel guilty about putting yourself first, you learned that somewhere. And so that would also be a helpful investigation is to just learn where you learned that from. Because, you know, just because you inherit stuff doesn't mean you have to keep it. Some inheritances are great, and some we need to, like, send back to sender. Because <laughs> they're like, no, 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 this is not mine. I, I'm not going to play this out in my lifetime. Thanks for the attempted gift, but return to sender. Okay. So when you kind of look at it through that lens, it can give you a little bit more space to be with your humanity. There's also this other piece that is linked to the conditioned response is this need and desire to be liked and also an attempt to manage other people's reactions. So when we don't want to put ourselves first, and we're afraid of what other people might think about that, which would often be tied to the OG conditioning around that. But we've likely played it out with many other people. Um, there is a part of us that is trying to manage other people's reactions. And, you know, by being likable, by overgiving, by overfunctioning, overfunctioning, being the martyr. Um, that is all an egoic identity attempt to get people to like you and to avoid, you know, being ostracized or to avoid someone's negative reaction. Because let's be honest, if you go to put yourself first with someone who has chronically been neglecting themselves they aren't going to like that. They are going to have an egoic reaction to it. And so us kind of diminishing our need and saying, okay, I won't put myself first is a way to try and control their reaction so that we don't have to deal with their big inflamed response. And one of the things that I teach in all my containers is learning how to be with reality, and also setting really healthy boundaries. So you don't just sit there and fucking take it because someone's having a hissy fit, but you learn how to erect that self-worth and hold a boundary, hold a standard of how you will or will not be spoken to. And so when we kind of work this spot of feeling guilty about putting ourselves first, it what we are also seeing is there's a big invitation to step deeper into our embodied worth, 
or embodied power. And embodied power is not power over another person. It's literally just being in right relationship with your energy so that you can know what is for you and what is not for you. And you can back that. You can stand behind it. You can own it. And you can take yourself out of situations that are insulting to your soul. You can take yourself out of environments where people are just having these egoic inflamed responses and you can say, Hey, listen, like you're totally entitled to your feelings and your responses. I'm going to let you have that. I'm just not going to be the emotional punching bag for it. So you go and have your experience. And when you're ready to talk about this, like an embodied adult, I will be here until that time. I am not available to do this with you. And so I want you to see like where you are in relationship to what I just said. Could you see yourself saying that at this exact juncture? Or is that more like aspirational of like, oh yeah, like I can feel the truth in that. And I can feel there's a part of me that really wants to be able to say that, but I'm not quite there. And so just track where you are on the map there. Because if you'd like to learn how to do that, I, I will teach you. I will teach you how to do it. And we, we thread this really deeply in reverence initiated. And we're also going to be working that spot in the self-love sisterhood. So there's, there's a spot for it if you really want to come and get tuned to that energy and activate and turn on that energy within yourself. And I will teach you, I will guide you how to do it. Um, if that is, if that is your desire. Okay. Um, and then when we, I don't know what point I'm on the benefits of self-care. Number one, uh, I think there's a second one in there (laughs) wanting to be liked and managing reactions. It's three. Okay. So this is fourth or fifth. Um, when you, actually put yourself first. So this kind of ties into the benefits of taking care of yourself and self-care. When you take care of yourself, you are actually able to really care for other people. You're more effective in your approach. Um, So whether you're caring for other people or you just want to be effective out in life, you will be more effective the more well-resourced you are. So you could think about it in terms of when we're looking at the impact we want to have, like really zone in on this. Like think about how much more effective and efficient you are after you've had a really good night's sleep. Or, you know, how effective you are, let's say in a presentation or a meeting, when you have fueled your body properly and you have energy to, you know, do your presentation, or if you're playing a sport to do your sport, or if you are a performer to do your performance, you know, we need energy in order to do some of these bigger things in life. And so when you take care of yourself, you're literally filling the tank so that you have the energy to do the things that you love doing or that you are committed to doing and do them really well. Um, so those are like my, my main kind of 
points around like getting to know why you might have this relationship to feeling guilty about putting yourself first. And now I'm going to give you a couple pieces in terms of, you know, what you can actually do. So three, three practical things you can do. Number one, you can just make a habit of checking in with yourself on a daily basis. Um, actually there's four things. Sorry, I lied. Okay, so number one is really making a habit of checking in with yourself throughout the day. And it doesn't have to take long. It can just be, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What's going on for me? Is there anything I need in this exact moment in order to thrive? And if you have a little alarm that goes off a couple times throughout the day and you just you know, ask yourself, like, how are you doing? How are you actually doing? And be honest with yourself. This is going to help build the momentum and the muscle to be able to do bigger self-care things and feel less guilty about it. Um, the second thing, when guilt does show up, because it will, right? If it's a conditioned response, you're not just going to eradicate it by listening to a half an hour podcast. You know, we have to, we condition these things in. And so we need to condition new patterns in, override them. But in order to override it, we need to understand what's actually happening in the mechanics there. So this comes from uh, one of my favorite teachers in this arena of emotional intelligence, uh, Hillary Jacobs Hendel, and she wrote a book called The Change Triangle. And she, her whole theory on emotions is that there are what are called inhibitory emotions. So we have our core emotions, which are joy, excitement, sexual excitement, fear, sadness, anger, and disgust. So these are our core emotions. We aren't getting rid of them. And part of the human journey is to learn how to be with each of those seven core emotions. And then with the change triangle, we have one edge of the triangle. So think of like an upside down triangle. Core emotions are at the base of that triangle. On let's say the upper left-hand side, you have what are called inhibitory emotions. And guilt is one of those inhibitory emotions. So its purpose is to push, like when a core emotion is trying to rise up and out, the inhibitory emotion turns on to suppress and push down the core emotion from like getting through to its cycle of expression. So again, like these are conditioned responses. We learn this behavior. And so guilt is one of the things that will start to press down the core emotion that is trying to rise up. So one of the things that can help you really unwind guilt is to notice and relate to it as, especially in this context, like I'm talking about this particular context, okay? Like we're adults, we can use nuance. Like So in this particular instance, this is a very appropriate tool to use. So when you're feeling guilty about putting yourself first, 
What's happening there is there's a core emotion that is trying to emerge and trying to move through your system that we don't have approval for. So guilt is like, I got you, babe. Tag me in. And so we tag in guilt and then guilt goes to work. It's suppressing whatever that core emotion is that we don't have approval for. And here's the kicker. There could be more than one core emotion that's moving at the same time. So what you really want to use guilt for in this context is using it as a signal. So anytime you feel guilty about putting yourself first and you notice that guilt, you can feel it in your system, you're like, wait a second. I remember Kelsey saying this one time. Guilt is a signal that a core emotion is trying to move and this whole mechanism in my psyche is trying to suppress this core emotion from moving. Okay, cool. So which core emotion is trying to move? Now, sometimes, like obviously, like it can be fear or sadness or anger or disgust. Sometimes especially when it comes to self-care and self-love, sometimes it's actually excitement or joy that's trying to move. And you're like, whoa, I'm like feeling so good. And like, this is exciting that I actually get to put myself first. And then your identity as a martyr is like, the fuck you are. And like, guilt, you're on. <laughs> you know? And then guilt comes on and then that joy gets crushed or that so, that. It, Excitement gets crushed and like put down in its place. You know, that's kind of how this whole system works. And sometimes it might be sadness, like that tenderness of like, oh my gosh, I've had a lifetime of just ignoring my needs. And like, I have some feelings about that. I feel sad about that. Um, or maybe it's fear of like, I, fuck, I don't even know what to do. Like, this is such uncharted territory. So it might be a little bit of fear. Um, if you had any martyrs around you growing up, it might be disgust. Because shame in this, you know, when you have like someone who is a martyr and that's their identity and they use guilt and shame to get people in line, well, then chances are you know, you might actually feel disgust about the thing that is actually most nourishing for you. And that's only because it's a conditioned response. Okay. Not because it's true, but this will help you kind of pull it apart and give you a little bit more space and awareness so that you can see like what is actually mine. And the, the whole point of the change triangle is to allow the core emotion to move through and complete its cycle. So like when a core emotion wants to rise, all it needs to do is kind of like a wave, like kind of wash you over. So whether that's like we just let the excitement roll through our body uh, or we let the, the joy roll through the body, or we let the sadness roll or we let the anger roll or the disgust roll uh, or the fear roll. Like we're not acting on these emotions, to be clear. This is not about you acting on it and like dumping it on somebody else. It's about literally 
going on the ride and like riding the wave of that emotion so that circuit can complete. It doesn't get interrupted. And this is why a lot of people are actually really hesitant and resistant to doing alchemical work. And alchemical work is the transformational work that literally sets you free and opens up this whole portal of possibility. But the reason we're so resistant to it is because we understand there's a backlog of things we haven't felt, of things we haven't dealt with. And our psyche is afraid that if we start opening that, we'll get swallowed alive. But the good news is like, it's, it's actually quite digestible with what comes up at a time. But like, if you've had a lifetime of not feeling your feelings, well, in order to like open that portal and step into that experience of a life on purpose or the most radiant love that is possible for you or a life that just feels good to be in, you are going to have to walk through that initiation at some point. You are going to have to feel through and process through, so complete the circuits, let the emotional energy move up and out and around and clear. And when you do that, you actually create more space for connectability. You actually create more space for love. Think of it like being emotionally constipated. When you're emotionally constipated, there is nowhere for love to really land because you're so full (laughs) of all of these unprocessed emotions. But like every time you have a good cry, it's like taking an emotional shit. And all of a sudden you have more space, you know, just like in your body. Like if you eat a bunch of food and you never take a shit, like eventually, like where's that food going to go? Like it needs to go out. You know, we would take in, it goes out. We take in, it goes out. Same with your emotions. You got to get good at allowing yourself to take those emotional dumps throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your year. Okay. And this, this will help keep the system nice and smooth, nice and available for love. And when we are able to really step into this world of being emotionally clean and clear and more receptive to love, well, then it becomes easier also to put yourself first, to prioritize yourself. Because you're like, yeah, this is actually good for me and it's good for other people too. Okay. Um, The third thing that you can do, the practical thing that will help you really turn down the volume of that guilt is get really super clear on what lights you up in life and give yourself permission to do more of that. So whether that's going for a walk and like just noticing the pretty flowers or if that is going to the dog park and watching the dogs or playing with the dogs, or if it's playing a sport or uh, an instrument or a hobby that you have that just legitimately brings you to life, anything that brings more life into your experience, you want to start prioritizing more time and space for. 
And that brings me to my fourth point, which is you are actually going to have to schedule time to do the things that light you up. So the more that you work this into your schedule, even if it's like five minutes a day, I'm going to read this book that I really love. It doesn't have to be like a whole day gets booked off. Like what if you just spent five minutes reading a book that you really loved or 15 minutes listening to four or five of your favorite songs and just like enjoying the music? What if you let yourself actually have the experience of like singing full full tilt in your car as you're driving in traffic on the way to work? Like, can you let yourself have it? If it brings you joy, can you let yourself have it? And so the more you let yourself have it, and that becomes a habit, the less we're going to see that guilt start to hook in especially if you're doing everything else that I mapped out for you today. So I'm going to leave it there because that was a nice digestible chunk. And I also want to invite you to come play at my free masterclass that I'm doing next week. It is the Radiant Love Masterclass. So we're going to be talking about all things love, all things radiance. Um, we're really going to be working at like creating the conditions for love to thrive. So we're going to look at expanding your capacity for love, deepening your receptivity and creating the conditions for love to thrive. That's kind of our overarching focus. I'm going to teach live for three days in a row. So if you've never come to a class with me, this is a great way to get a taste of it. And the replay will be available for, um, We'll probably make it available for 24 hours, maybe 36, uh, at the most 48 hours for each of the classes. And so it gives you a chance if, let's say, you're at work when I'm doing the call and you can't be on there live, that's still okay. You will be able to catch the replay and listen in that way. And uh, so I will put a link in the show notes to join us. That is going to be, let me look at the calendar here, June 28th, 29th, and 30th. Um, I believe I'm going to do this at 10 in the morning Pacific Standard Time. Don't quote me on that. Um, but if you sign up to be on the list for the masterclass, um, you'll get sent out all the details of when the call will be. And you will also get the email with the replay. So, um, but we'll likely do them around 10 a.m. Uh, each day. And then inside of that masterclass, there will be a special offer for the self-love sisterhood. So if you are feeling called to join that, um, I would highly recommend that you get your cute little butt into the masterclass, even if it's just catching the replay, so that you can receive that offer to join us, because I'm not going to give that offer anywhere else. Um, so 
if you want to come play, do three days of love classes with me. Um, the link will be in the show notes to join. And then we'll be coming back with a new episode real soon. Okay? I love you, friends. Bye.